Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather together to kiki in God's name. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and I'm joined today by fellow Catholic Pedro Nogues. Now, Pedro is somebody who's currently living in Mexico City, but who has had quite an opportunity to really explore not only spirituality, but sexuality in both professional and personal contexts. So I'm excited to welcome Pedro to talk about his journey as a queer Catholic, because a lot of what he does now kind of intermixes what that journey was and, and all of the things he's had a chance to learn in the course of his academic career. So Pedro, thank you so much for, for talking to me and to sharing your story here on the show. Thank you, Jorge, for the invitation, for being here. I, I'm a big fan of your work. I've been following what you've been done for these past years. And thank you for all the good work and all the positive message that you've been giving queer Catholics all these years. Thank you for saying that. I, I want to start off by saying, because, you know, I, I put a call out for people to, to share their stories and hopefully have a conversation with us here on the show. And one of the first things that you said to me when we were com- uh, conversing back and forth online was that you are a cradle Catholic. So for people who are kind of curious about what that means, how do you describe being a cradle Catholic? I mean, it's like a it's like a made up term that most I like it though. It, I think it says quite a bit just without even knowing too much about how you define it. It kind of really gives you a, a good picture about where you're how you're approaching the religion. The things that I, I've been I, I live in Mexico City. I live I come from a very religious family, both from my parents, my father's side and my mother's side. And religious religion and Jesus and the Virgin has been oh present in my life since even I, I uh, since, since before my birth. I, I haven't known any other way. I tried to find other ways during my, <laughs> but, but I, I, I really, I, I, I am one of my, my best friend. She, she's, uh, she's not baptized. And when she comes to me, when, when, we, when we were able to go to mass, not now, mm-hmm. um, she came to, to me with, to mass and she was like, finding something very different that she, that she never grew with. And for me, it's so natural, so part of my, my DNA to be a believer, to be a Catholic, not just a believer, to be a Catholic. It's part of my DNA, part of my history, part of my family inheritance. So it's, I've been Catholic since, since, I, was, since I was born. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very interesting for me to find people that especially queer people that convert to Catholicism in their adulthood. And that's amazing. That's really, really the Holy Spirit that it's blowing around and bringing people to the, bringing the people that, that, uh, that he or she wants to be part of the church. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to always be said about, and I talk about this a lot, when you're somebody who grows up in the Mexican culture, either Mexican culture, Mexican-American culture, Latinidad as a whole. Yeah. Like it is synonymous with Catholicism. And so especially when you're Mexican, the Virgen de Guadalupe is everywhere. You have all this iconography. You have all these, symbol, uh, these symbols that follow you from birth, as you say. And so I, I think there's always something to be said about queer Catholics who are Mexican or have Mexican heritage. Um, how they navigate their spirituality because it's so ingrained, because it 
to way to use the word you use, it kind of cradles you from birth. It kind of carries you along in your life. Like it is just so ever present to be Mexican and Catholic. And and it's I was just speaking about this this um, this topic this morning this uh, weekend with with Christine with one of my friends, and I was telling her the thing here in Mexico as different from the states, we don't have this me melting pot of cultures. Mm. We just mostly Catholic or Christian Mexicans. We don't have people from other parts of the world. Well, we have, but not as uh, first world countries or maybe like uh, United States or England or France, where you have a melting pot from people from different countries, from different backgrounds, from different beliefs. And you're like really in touch with that. Here in Mexico, you're expected to be Mexican and at Catholic or at the most Christian. Mm -hmm. No, uh, well, some of the other denominations, but at, at the, it, it, I, now I think it's getting easier, but it's been very challenging for many, for many, for many people because, as we know, we're Christians, Catholics, and we're very conservatives, especially here in Mexico. And when you say that you're queer, that you're different, that you love in a different way than the normal or standard way, it's it's challenging not just for you to like put it in the right place in your heart but also for your family, for society, no? I've been really, really blessed, and I say it many times, because for me being, being queer and being Catholic, it hasn't been a problem at all. My family, at the beginning, they had a little bit of, of tremblings, but they accepted and they're really, really happy now. I haven't, lost, I haven't been, I haven't lost a job. I haven't lost my home. I have been, and for me, it's, And that's why I think I have this responsibility to speak up for the people that can't speak up. Because there are many people that here in this country, here in this city, that it's life-threatening to be Catholic, to be queer. Mm -hmm. And we, the people that, that have this privilege, have to speak up for those who cannot speak up. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's how I think my, being here and speaking here, it's like I, I take it as my apostolic work. I really do believe that the, the work that queer Catholics do, and I say it work even though it's like just daily living, us being present in the world is work because we take it upon ourselves to speak about our experiences and that is our ministry. That is what we are called to do. It is, it is part of what you know, we are told that is part of the, just the Catholic experience that we are meant to proclaim God's word and God's name. And if we are created in God's image and likeness, then us being just in the world is part of that. I want to mention something. I that, just got goosebumps on what you said. Oh, uh, well, I want to mention something that you tweeted out. Um, this was last summer during Pride Month, um, at least Pride Month in the United States. And I'm going to do a rough translation, but it says that you were invited to talk about history, church, religion, and sexuality. Um, and you say that it's something that obviously is something you're very passionate about and that you you're obviously sure that a lot of people are going to be interested in it. Um, talk about a decision that you've made to, to speak up and, and to be open about what you've learned by studying the religion, by studying sexuality, by studying history of all of those things together and sharing your knowledge with, with those who are curious. The thing that that's, that's what I'm, I'm a passionate of history. No, 
I, I really, really love history. I really love reading history. I also love the, 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 some historians will cross me if I say this, because I also love the history channel with all these uh, <laughs> crazy stories about aliens. And I, I just, it, it amuses me. But I really, really love history. And I have a master's in history. And I'm doing my PhD in history right now. And when I, when I, when I th uh, thought of doing the, the master's, I thought, what do I want to do? Something that I need or something that I would like? I could do a master's in business administration and engineering, communication, something that's helpful for my work or something that I really enjoy. And I decided to do something I enjoy. And I started a master many years ago, a master's in, in, in ancient history. And when I was studying ancient history, I said, what, what, what am I passionate about? What do I want to talk about? What do I do? What, what's the, the scope of my investigation I want to, to be? And I found out, and I, or I'm working on, how were the relations of same-sex, of the of persons, especially men, because we don't have that much of literature about women. That's a, it's a pity, and it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we should work more. But same-sex relations in the Roman Empire. There were, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, um, a utopia. It wasn't like everything was perfect, no. But it, they were accepted within, within, a, within a, a, a protocol. And then some, some things changed during the, the, the first years of the first time, 400, 500 years of the Roman Empire. And it changed philosophically, socially, culturally, politically, and also with the birth of Catholicism of Christianity, that were the seeds of the concepts that we today have towards same-sex relations. First, I, I don't know if you've heard, but there have been some uh, leaders, religious leaders, that said that the pandemic is due, is caused by homosexuality. It's so ridiculous. Oh, they, like, they, they always automatically turn to like the gays, the gays did something. The gays are responsible. Actually, that that concept was born in the year 500. When oh. Because Justinian was the first. The Justinian Code, it's the base of all uh, law in, in Western world. And in the Justinian law, Justinian was the, they, they, were, they suffered the Justinian plague. There were like 25 million people died. Uh, the, the, the wife of the emperor died from the plague, from the bubonic plague. And it was really, really terrible. The, the, was the year five, 536 was like the most terrible year in, in the history of, because there was an explosion in, in the volcano in, in, um, in Iceland that covered Europe in ash for three years. There were earthquakes, the plague, it was just terrible. And the emperor Justinian said, what's happening? What? They didn't know anything about earthquakes. They didn't know anything about uh, vectors of, of transmission of viruses. They didn't know anything about plagues. And they just knew, they just had the Bible to understand the world. And some, uh, there was a, a guy in the first years of, us, of the history that is a philo of Alexandria that made this terrible interpretation of Sodom and Gomorrah saying that it has to be with the almost with with with, with gay sex you know? mm -hmm. and actually it, it doesn't if you uh, if you understand the passages and if you go to the hebrew the original hebrew it doesn't and actually 
I speak a lot. If you, if I go, if no, I, not not at all. I this is all fascinating because I would never have known about five hundred, like like just how the the things that we see happening today, the fact that there's such a historical context to it, the fact that if you think about it, very little has changed with regards to the rhetoric that is used demonizing queer folks. Um, like, how is it all still happening? But it makes sense because you're thinking about a church and a society and a system that is millennia old, has been around since the dawn of time, and is just unable to move itself forward with the times because it is so just narrow-minded and so determined to just view life in one particular way. And that is as anti-queer as possible, unfortunately. And I think it's not totally their fault. And because we are living a different moment. Today we're living a totally different and anomalous um, way of life in history of humankind. Because for the last 100 years ago, if you had diarrhea, you died. Mm-hmm. The lifespan 100 years ago was 50, 70 years, maybe, maybe or in, in Western world, maybe 40 years. No, the lifespan in the last hundred years has increased a lot, amazingly. Also, the free time. I don't know if you've if you've seen this series, this amazing series it's called um, Down, uh, Downton Abbey. I'm 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 the one gay who has not watched Downton Abbey. I I feel so badly to say. No, don't worry. And this this is and it's it's really it's really interesting to see how society has changed because this this. This lady, this is played by Maggie Smith mar- um, marvelously, and they were talking about the weekend. They said, "What's a weekend?" And actually, a hundred years ago, there were no two days for people work from 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 they when they rise to the, when they sleep. There were no t- free time. There were no vacations. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. The, and so people, you didn't have you didn't have access to information. You didn't you didn't know how to read. You didn't have books. You didn't so. Standardized religions were like, yeah, you don't have time to read, you don't have time to, you don't have access to, you don't have free time, you don't have access to culture, you don't have time to think. Just read this, follow these five things, and you will be saved. It was like the salvation package, you know, just do these five <laughs> things. And I think it worked with the, but now we're living a different time in the different times when you have to. Challenge what's in the, what's in the book, understand and not challenge. Understand why it was written. What, what were the first words that God gave to the men? I wish I knew this. I feel badly for not knowing this right oh, off the bat. It, I don't know in, in English. It's crecer y multiplicados. Oh, it's uh, go forth, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, be fruitful and multiply. It, what was the first premise? It said. Be good. Why? Because the Genesis was written during the excellent Babylon when the when the uh, Jewish people were persecuted, were out of their land, were 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 they had the the, the most important thing they had to do was to multiplicate, mm-hmm. to have more Jewish people. That's what that's the 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 sacred part of the sperm. What that's why sperm is sacred for the Jewish because you you shouldn't spend sperm in anything that is not procreation because it's it depends uh, uh, the the 
the future of our people depends on that. That's, that's why the sanctity of sperm for the Jewish. That's why you understand. But if you, that's why you have to understand when was written, what was in the mind of the person that wrote that thing to understand why it was written and why maybe it's not that important today. I can only imagine if we were to go to church today, mm-hmm. whether in the United States, in Mexico, wherever in the world we chose to go to church. And if the priest were to end by saying, all right, be fruitful and go multiply. Like I could imagine just how crazy everybody would think that person was because even though, yes, it's, it's a reference to something that's of you know, scripture, but like, because we've gone so far away from literal interpretation of things and because modern society is aware of the presence of queer people, clearly you cannot have queer people in a parish hearing go be fruitful and multiply and thinking that somehow the church is loving them, considering them, welcoming them, embracing them, because that clearly does not apply to, to us and well, to most of us. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's so interesting. Like if, if we were to base things off of how it was all those centuries ago. But the thing is that if you do this interpretation, for, starter, for starters, Adam and Eve didn't exist. Yeah. So, no. So actually God didn't say be fruitful and multiply. But maybe be fruitful and multiply it's actually the essence of Jesus' message. Be fruitful and multiply, multiply love, multiply uh, be fruitful, do do something with your life. Don't not just be let there like lying around. Be fruitful. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that this idea that you in your in your in your vocation in your ministry as the queer catholic that you are myself as the queer catholic that I am somehow our ideas are what's being fruitful the ideas that we have continuing to multiply them by sharing your program is being fruitful, fruitful. You, you, it, that is being fruitful and multiplying and giving a, and leaving even a, a, a greater legacy than having than having kids mm-hmm. god uh, look at all these brain like mind-blown moments. Um, I do want to mention something. And that's why the Bible is correct, but not in a literal way. Mm -hmm. That's why the be fruitful and multiply, it's like God is giving the the, the gift of life to to Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't have to be go have sex and have eight kids. (laughs) Have a meaningful life. Mm -hmm. Something that I want to bring up again that I noticed from your Twitter page is at the very top, everybody has this kind of picture that they can put at the top of their Twitter page. <laughs> and the thing that you've chosen, I think is so fascinating because it's, it's, it's a talking point that a lot of us have used over the past few years, specifically now that Pope Francis is pontiff. Um, but it's taking somebody's comment that was posted on Facebook and it says, if you think Pope, Pope Francis is too liberal, then wait until you meet Jesus. And a lot of people feel this way because of Francis's most recent statements that seemingly come out in support of queer people. Um, you know, it's starting off with the who am I to judge comment in 2015. So in the span of six years, we've heard all these things from Pope Francis that make it seem like he's moving things in the right direction, but traditionalists and those who are a little more hardline Catholics think it's just too much. Um, and I love that you have that as something that's on full display on your page because 
a lot of us feel this way. It is if we are continuing the messaging of Christ, and if we think that Pope Francis is a vicar of Christ who's doing the exact same, where's the disconnect? Where is the, like, why are people so in a tizzy about it? The things that we've been obsessed with morals and theology. That's, that's a great, great problem of, the, of Catholicism, that we've been 2,000 years going around the same thing. And that, that, one of my other best friends, that is, I usually interview him, he's amazing. He's, a, he's, he's, he's queer too, and he's studying a master's in theology here in Mexico. Oh, nice. And I said, and I, every time we talk, said, I said, people lose faith when they study theology. Because I think, I think we're so stuck in, one, in what uh, St. Augustine said, and Thomas, this saint or these others, that we lose the essence of, 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 of the Christ message. In my, in my living room, I have this, this engraving of Gustave Doré of the, of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's the essence of Jesus' message. No? And we haven't looked it in all its scope. Because when Jesus is asked, what do I have to do to gain eternal life? And he says, he says love God and love your neighbor. And the, and the doctor of the law was a specialist in morals and canonist and everything. He said, well, who's my neighbor? And he starts with the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's really, really interesting because Jesus uses three, three, uses three per- people in, the, in, the, in, that, in that parable. He uses a, a priest, he uses a scribe, and uses a Samaritan. Actually, when the priest and the scribe pass through and they don't touch the people that was the, the person that was bleeding or was uh, uh, being mugged or attacked, they were full, they were keeping the law because they actually they they were being faithful to the law because if they touched that they wouldn't be able to serve in the temple because they were entering in, in legal impurity. Actually, not them not helping that person was following the law according to Moses. Mm-hmm. That was the right thing to do according to the law. No one could ever do, tell them anything because they, weren't, they were fulfilling the law. And the Samaritan, I, don't, I haven't found um, a simile because the Samaritan, a Samaritan for a Jew was a heretic. Because the Samaritan didn't believe in the temple of Jerusalem. They, they believed in another temple. So it was a, a, a heretic. I don't know what would be like the scene for us today to understand what was really a Samaritan. Why, why Jesus choosing a Samaritan as an example of someone that can gain eternal life was mind-blowing for, for the Jews of Jesus' time. And he's saying, this, one that, this guy that is a heretic, that never follows the law, that is almost against everything that you believe, is going to gain eternal life just because he's helping this person. This unknown person and this person, the, these, these two standards of morality that defend the orthodoxy of, of Catholicism of, of the Jew, of the Jewish law, maybe they won't, because the essence of the message is love, and that's much more difficult than. And, and, and people say, ah, it's always no, no. That's even much more difficult than going to mass and praying the rosary. And that's, being, that's for sure. Being, loving thy neighbor. It's really, really difficult and really, really challenging. I, I weirdly enough, want to end our conversation talking about 
kind of focusing on this idea of the Good Samaritan and the idea that, it, that that person was considered a heretic um, by others due to laws that had been implemented at that particular time. A lot of society and a lot of people who are very hardcore about their religion and hardcore about their faith would think that queer Catholics are the heretics of today. That somehow we are doing things in absolutely wrong ways that we are desecrating not only the church, but desecrating everything that had been set up by God for us to be able to enjoy. What do you say to people who, who think that you, myself, your friends, um, that somehow we're what's wrong with the church right now and that we are the, the Samaritans that shouldn't be looked at of the 21st century? I will say that Jesus spent time with the people that were the outcast, outcast of his times. And Jesus preferred, Jesus was with Samaritans, Jesus was with prostitutes, Jesus was with sinners, Jesus was with Romans, and he spent time with them. And they were the favorites. Jesus, and, and I'm not saying that we are the favorites. It's not, it's not just that. It's just, let's stop labeling, labeling people and just start loving people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Stop labeling and stop loving. That is like so wonderfully concise. And like, that is a perfect prayer in and of itself. Like, stop labeling, stop loving, go with God, amen, right? Like, it's just a wonderful way to not only approach day-to-day, but how to approach one's spirituality, especially if things have been very difficult. And that's, and that's, that's why I have this, this edge, edging of Lorraine in my house, because it's, it's a reminding of that thing, because I try not to engage with people in discussions in Twitter, because I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've been this conservative Catholic that... Uh, condemns everything yeah but now i've gained the different sensibility and it's a gift of god and people god will give that gift to people when they when they are opening to it but it gives me hope that we're in the right direction that we're not that we're not luther whereas we're um teresa of uh, avila and uh, uh Ignatius of Loyola, we're like reforming the church from the inside. Mm-hmm. Well, we're and doing it one step at a time. We're trying. I know a lot of us are trying very hard. We're trying we're one not, step at a time. And we're not leaving. We're staying. Even though people, would, many people would love, would like us to leave, we're staying because not because of. And maybe tomorrow comes a pope that it's not as open as Francis. It doesn't matter because we're not following the pope. We're following Jesus. Yeah. That's so true. Oh, such a beautiful way to, to end this. But Pedro, thank you so much for your time and for, for your, I, your I, vocation I, and your love for, for everything that you do. And I want to end, because I'm going to end every show like this. Pedro, peace be with you. Thank you. And also with you.